0: Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Imagine if it was your brother. This is Method and Madness, Justice for Adolfo Jimenez Vega. I'm your host, Don Gandhi. Today's case is about a 41-year-old man, father, grandfather, and beloved son and brother who was murdered. His family is devastated over this tremendous loss, which occurred earlier this year, and the victim's sister is using her voice to raise awareness, to let other families know that they too can use their voice. Quite frankly, she doesn't have much faith in the justice system. So what does it look like if you were to picture those moments after a person is murdered? The knock on the door. Two somber-looking, serious police officers delivering the news to the next of kin. The victim's mother being assured that nobody will rest until justice is sought. Well, you're not going to hear that kind of story today. This is Adolfo's story. Let's dive in.
1: You know, for us, it's pain. It's pain that we have to live through every day. You know, not being able to talk to him. And I think the most hurtful thing is my mom being so depressed and just sitting in her chair staring at my brother's picture you know I'm a mom too and I don't know the pain of losing a child I just couldn't imagine you know what how she is feeling and stuff and what constantly plays in my head is when we first saw our brother at the funeral home you know we walked in and she walked ahead of us And that scream she let out. You know, it's like, does this man understand the pain he caused our mom? The pain he's still causing her and will cause her until her last breath. You know, and it's so unfair that somebody can take the law into their own hand for not For no reason, you know, my brother wasn't attacking him. He was walking away.
0: Today's case was brought to me recently by three different friends in the true crime community, which is pretty typical. When someone needs justice, this amazing community comes together, uses its platforms to reach the masses. So before we begin, I want to thank Lexi from Uncovered, Eric from the podcast True Consequences, and Mary Ann from the podcast Crime Scene and Cupcakes. Today, I'm sitting down with a very special guest, Nancy Jimenez Vega. She's fighting for justice for her brother, Adolfo.
1: Hi, my name is Nancy Jimenez Vega. Um, I am the older sister of Adolfo. He was the youngest, so he was right under me.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for being here. And um, can you tell us? About your brother,
1: what was he like? He was such a goofball, I swear. Anything and everything he can find humor in and or try to make somebody laugh for, he would. You know, whether it was just talking crap until somebody said, you know, that's enough or, you know, they started laughing or him just doing goofy stuff and just, you know, one of the TikToks that I have of him that my mom and I really, really enjoy is one where he's like um, kind of galloping um, and there's a fart sound <laughs> and he moves his, you know, his hips and stuff with it and stuff, and we're like, oh my God, only, yeah, he would do that and stuff, you know, not saying that I wouldn't, but you know, he had a little bit more courage to do it actually on video <laughs> um, and stuff. So he was, he was always fun. Adolfo was
0: a father of four had one grandson, as well as nieces and nephews. He was born in Coronado, California, in San Diego County, on July 9, 1980. When he was four, he moved to Tehachapi, California, and lived there as well as in California City and Bakersfield throughout his life. He was an animal lover, a goofball, funny, loved by many, and formed friendships in elementary school that he carried with him into adulthood. He loved to joke that out of all of his siblings, he was the best-looking one. His sister Nancy described that their childhood wasn't always easy and that life really took a turn in 1986 when her brother Jose was murdered. It shook the family to its core. Not long after that devastating event, their mother left their father. Their father, according to Nancy, dated a lot of women and would sort of come in and out of his children's lives. He then settled down and married one woman, and became stepfather to her children. But there was a sense of abandonment that Adolfo felt as a child, that his father was not a constant figure in his life, but he was now a father figure to other children. Nancy says that contributed to her brother's eventual struggles. Humans may turn to some form of compulsive activities when seeking to relieve stress or anxiety. Adolfo found drugs. He began dabbling in drug use as his coping mechanism, his way of handling the burdens that came his way. It began escalating until it became an addiction. As an adolescent, he continued to struggle with that sense of abandonment as his sister Nancy left the home and got married at age 16, when Adolfo was just 11. He was the youngest and feeling alone. He got into trouble and spent some time in juvenile hall. Adolfo graduated high school, but carried with him a lot of pain, which he continued to mask with drugs. In 2008, Adolfo went to prison and served a sentence of almost nine years. Upon his release in 2017, He lived in a few halfway houses in Bakersfield, California, and his sister Nancy said that it was around this time that he fell into a toxic relationship that led to a drug relapse. Around 2018 and into 2019, Adolfo was seeking to better himself and began attending college classes at UEI, a vocational school. While there, he was physically assaulted by someone on the campus Despite his pleas to have that person removed from the school, nothing came of it, and Adolfo made the decision to leave. He had always maintained contact with his family, siblings, and his mother Antonia, and the family looked out for him, wanting him to turn over a new leaf, rehabilitate himself to become everything they knew he could be. But the disease that had a hold on Adolfo was addiction, and his mother offered her home up to her son. There was one condition. No drugs were allowed in the house. Adolfo was, according to his sister, a transient by choice. On April 3, 2022, Adolfo was walking home from work and decided to take a break from the heat and sat down in a shaded area. It was then that he was approached by a man that he knew as D.C., D.C. accused Adolfo of, quote, talking shit about one of his friends. There was a verbal altercation, and D.C. tried to hit him with his fist but missed. He quickly left and returned with another man. I'll call him T. It appeared that T. had a firearm. He pointed it at Adolfo and pulled the trigger three times, but due to a malfunction, the gun didn't fire. T. then passed the firearm to D.C., who then pointed it at Adolfo and pulled the trigger twice. It clicked, but didn't fire. There was confusion as T and DC looked at each other, seemingly unsure of why the weapon hadn't fired. But T had another weapon on him, and he lifted a golf club and swung it at Adolfo, who raised his arm in self-defense. Adolfo was struck in his left arm and to the back of his head before losing consciousness. When he came to, both men were gone. A witness nearby had recorded the incident on their cell phone and drove Adolfo to the Hall Ambulance Station. Adolfo was brought to Tehachapi Hospital and treated for serious injuries, an open fracture to his left arm and a laceration to his head, which required staples. An officer investigating the assault questioned Adolfo while he lay in the hospital recovering. He relayed to the officer what had occurred and was able to describe the physical characteristics and names of his attackers, their ages and build, as well as the names he knew them by and where they lived. Based on Adolfo's statement and a description of where he thought the two men lived, T and the man known as DC were then located and placed under arrest. Booked into evidence was one Daisy Powerline BB gun, a black replica firearm, and one Crossman repeater BB gun, as well as 31 copper BBs. Witnesses told police they saw the two accused men getting into a fight with a Hispanic man, that they had chased him, and that one of the men had hit the Hispanic male with some sort of a large pole. T and DC were booked into jail, but later released. After Adolfo was released from the hospital, he went to his mom's Antonia's. There he took a shower, had a meal, and Antonia told her youngest son that she wanted him to stay with her. Adolfo was going to go and get a few things and then come back. But he never returned. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that mental health and self-care are taking more of a front seat these days. Therapy has helped me when I've felt overwhelmed and needed to sort some things out. Maybe you're feeling more stressed lately, or like you're struggling with work or personal relationships. However you're feeling, you deserve to be happy, and to know that there is no shame in therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy. In under 48 hours, you could be communicating with a therapist by phone, live chat, or video if you're comfortable. Now is a good time to invest in yourself and see what online therapy is all about. And special offer to Method and Madness listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com. Slash method and madness. That's betterhelp.com slash method and madness. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. That night, Adolfo and his sister Nancy spoke via Facebook video chat.
1: You know, you got to change. If not, mom's going to bury another son. You know, and I was referring to the drug usage, right? and stuff like that and because he was transient by choice we offered him to come live here in Arizona with me and stuff like that and but I told him specifically you just can't be doing any of that crap because I I'm going through licensure for my um, counseling I work with you know foster um, kids and stuff like that and I'm not trying to jeopardize that right I go so you got to really stay off that and you know It was like, okay, you know, I'll call you later and stuff. Never got that phone call again from him. But um, on April 6th, my mom, you know, he showered, ate, uh, made a couple phone calls, she says. And they talked and said, you know, I'm going to be back, mom. I'm going to just go get my stuff or whatnot and stuff. Then after 10 p.m. that night, she got the knock on the door from the Bakersfield coroner's office.
0: Antonia was told that her son was killed because he was somewhere he shouldn't have been. That's how Antonia Vega learned that her youngest son, her baby, was the second son she lost to murder. In an instant, she was both informed that her son was a victim and that he was being blamed for it by the coroner's office. From there, the family was in a state of confusion and grief. Rumors swirled online, they didn't know if Adolfo was properly identified, they didn't know how he was killed, or why, if they should plan for an open casket. There's no way to know these things without someone guiding you through the process, someone in a position of authority communicating. But Adolfo's family wasn't given that courtesy, and they spent weeks chasing down answers. There are still a lot of unanswered questions nearly eight months later. Nancy isn't sure she'll ever get the answers to the questions that keep her up at night. Calls to investigators go unreturned. Adolfo's mother wasn't getting the courtesy of information. When Nancy was able to talk to one of the detectives in charge, it turned out that he'd had previous dealings with Adolfo and that there may have been reasons why there wasn't exactly a sense of urgency in the case, that the detective may have had a bias, that he and Adolfo didn't care for each other. When Nancy questioned the detective, he responded by telling her that she had an attitude. Pieces of the puzzle began falling into place only with the efforts of Nancy doing her own work to investigate and get answers. What she found out is that the man who allegedly killed her brother had confessed almost immediately. She doesn't like to say his name. She says it leaves a bad taste in her mouth. So you'll hear her refer to him as the coward. The suspected murderer of Adolfo Jimenez Vega is a man in his mid thirties, named Gerard Dvardrick Reeder. Reeder told police that he was at home when he saw a man on the property of an abandoned house next door. He grabbed a gun, and went outside to confront the man. He told police that the man was trying to break into the abandoned house. During the confrontation, Reader says the man said something to the effect of, You're not going to do anything, and began walking away. Reader then shot him. The bullet entered his arm, traveled into the right side of his chest, and passed through the other side. The victim, wearing basketball shorts and a tee, his left arm in a sling, due to injuries he'd sustained days earlier when assaulted by two men on the street, fell to the ground. That evening, just after 7 p.m., Adolfo Jimenez Vega was pronounced dead in a driveway on Bancroft Court in California City. Today, Nancy is rightfully frustrated and angry. She wants to know why police never investigated to find out why or how Adolfo was at that house, why there was an assumption that he was where he shouldn't have been. She knows from statements by friends of Adolfo's that he was never on that side of town. She wonders if the earlier assault, days before the murder, was somehow related. She wonders why police wouldn't contact her or her mother or return their calls, but when her brother-in-law called, and identified himself as a Caucasian, why the police called him back immediately. She wasn't intending on making this about race, but how could she not? She wants to know why most of the information she's gotten has been through posts on social media. On April 8th, Reader was supposed to be arraigned on charges of first-degree murder, but the DA said that the police report was incomplete and that the California City Police Department had to reinvestigate and rewrite the report, which caused a delay. Reader only spent one day in jail. He was charged officially in mid-July of this year, but the charge was manslaughter. He's been out on bail ever since. At the first hearing, Nancy and her family attended, and she was seated in the courtroom, right behind the accused and his wife. On top of their grief and their confusion adolfo's mother has heard victim blaming his sister has been scolded by the detectives for asking questions about the events surrounding adolfo's murder and the ensuing investigation nancy filed a complaint against that officer which led to a phone call by one of the sergeants
1: he told me the coward was a pillar of the community and then um You know, he basically said that his um, sergeant or his detective didn't do anything, you know, wrong. Quote, unquote. And he's all, did I answer all your questions? And I was like, "Mm, you didn't answer anything. I go, you basically called me to tell me what you wanted to tell me. I go, but no, you didn't answer any questions that I had because you're just basically, you know, dodging anything and or rebuttaling anything I'm saying.
0: On top of everything. The suspected murderer of Adolfo Jimenez Vega was now being called a pillar of the community by one of the investigating officers. And in another blow, the charges against the two men who had allegedly assaulted Adolfo, T and DC, those charges were dropped since the victim was now deceased and police said they had no witnesses. The police department, Nancy discovered, doesn't have a police chief, and is a revolving door in general. Officers right out of the academy work there. It's a small town, and they get their feet wet and then move on. She doesn't shy away from talking about her brother's struggles, but she doesn't want her brother's murder to be swept under the rug. His life mattered. She doesn't want to make it about race, but she can't help but feel that law enforcement just doesn't care that a Hispanic male Was shot and killed. They don't care to investigate and find out the circumstances around his murder. She wants family members to have a voice, to be able to talk to investigating officers and get answers, even if that answer is, I'm sorry, but this is an open investigation and we can't discuss that right now. She wants to know why a man would grab a gun, confront someone on an abandoned property and shoot them dead in a driveway only to later be called a pillar of the community by the investigating police department there's no guideline no rule book on how a family should navigate the trauma of losing a loved one to violence but the avoidance the calling out family members for quote unquote having an attitude is hurtful in an already painful time there needs to be change as nancy says It only takes one person to change one attitude and for that ripple effect. To support Adolfo's family in their fight for justice, search for the hashtag JusticeForAdolfoVega on social media. There's a petition on change.org that can be signed. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much to Nancy Vega for sharing your story and for being your brother's voice. Thank you so much for listening to Method and Madness. I appreciate you. This is an independent podcast, so if you'd like to show your support, you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. It makes the show more visible for new listeners. I'm on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. There's a Method and Madness page on Facebook. To chat or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodedmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. It is sound edited by Moen Spo. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text HELLO to 741-741.